1: The reason we're teaching this and the reason we've called it simple is that unfortunately too often the church, the royal we church, has a tendency and has had a tendency to make things about Jesus complicated, to add in layers and rules and and all of this kind of stuff. And that stands in very stark contrast to Jesus' approach. When Jesus was here on earth, his approach to calling people to ultimately become his followers and ultimately put their faith in him and ultimately do what he said to do was remarkably simple. So we've just been trying to unpack that. Week one, we talked about the fact that Jesus often, he just his first approach to an individual was an invitation and it wasn't an invitation to believe his claims as the son of God. It was simply an invitation to follow him. And he, he had the confidence, because he knew who he was, that if people got close enough, stayed close enough, got curious asked some questions along the journey of following Him, that many of them would get to a point where they would actually believe that He is who He claimed to be, that, that, that His claim as the Son of God was not fake news, and many people have did that then and have done that since. Well, today I wanna get to the final thing, and it's actually Jesus' final thing, and it's a word that can get a little bit sticky it can get a word that when you hear it can get a little bit like, oh, I don't know how I feel about this. And that's because the word's been misappropriated so often. The word is obey. And some of you might have a love relationship with that word. Some of you might have a hate relationship with that word. Probably many of us would have something in between, a love-hate relationship with that word. Word. But here's the first thing I wanna double click on. Jesus put that third. And yet too often, the church puts that first as if Jesus' message is this, fix yourself up and then give me a call. And I'll see if I'm interested. I'll see if you pass. I'll see if you're worthy of being let in. And yet it was actually Jesus' last invitation And we saw this with the early church, the early followers. Many of the early followers became believers. Like, oh my gosh, I've been following this guy for a few weeks, few months, few years now, and I get it, he is actually who he claimed to be. And in response to that, they reorganised their lives around his teachings. They started to do marriage differently, They started to do family differently. They started to treat people better than they had treated them in the past. They started to do good things to their enemies. (coughs) And as a consequence, the early church started to spread like wildfire. And it didn't spread like wildfire because they would helicopter in some bigwig speaker and hire out up the stadium and have a big crusade. There were a few large scale gatherings, that sort of stuff did happen, probably not the helicopter bit. But most of the reason that the church spread like wildfire is that the people that had decided to put into practice what Jesus had taught them, their sphere looked and said to themselves, This is actually better. You're better. I wanna be better. This seems to point to better. How do I get in on this? Well, follow, believe, and ultimately obey. But one of the sticking points that Jesus' early followers and early believers were able to overcome was they were convinced that Jesus, when he taught them to do something, that he had their best interests in mind. And this is key. And I'll say it this way, motive matters. Now, I remember when I was seven years old, I grew up in High Wycombe, just over there. My parents weren't people of great means. And so uh, the only time we got to go to a restaurant um, was my on bro- my brother's or my birthday. And we respectively on our birthday got to choose which restaurant as a family we would go to. Now, I'm not talking Nobu here, okay? I'm talking a very limited selection of fast food restaurants. Now, when I was seven, dinosaurs still roamed the earth, okay? So McDonald's hadn't even entered Australia at this point. You understand? Brontosaurus burgers were a thing, but McDonald's didn't serve. To. So this particular year, I was seven, and I decided this year I'm gonna. We we are going to go to Hungry Jack's, Hungry Jack's Midland, which is alongside Great Eastern Highway. So I'm seven. It's my annual trip to a restaurant, and it's Hungry Jack's, flame grilled, not flat fried. Anyway. So we get out of the car, my dad, my mom, my brother and I, and and we start making our way. I don't know why they parked on the other side of Greateston Highway. Maybe Hungry Jack's didn't have parking lots back there. I can't remember. But what I can remember is I was so jacked up to go to Hungry Jack's that I'm walking ahead of my parents and they're kind of walking behind. And we get right to the edge of the curb of Greateston Highway. And not only did I not put the brakes on, not only did I not break stride, I actually kicked it up a couple of gears. I started drifting. Well, you've you've heard of the expression reflexes like a cat. Let me tell you about reflexes like a mom. Because I started to cross Great Eastern Highway and the green man wasn't green at that time. And my mum reached, out her arm like a lasto man and she grabbed me and she yanked me back to the safety of the curb. And she said, you stand here, son, until the green man turns green and then we will cross the highway safely. Now I had a choice in that moment. Would I listen to my mum? Would I obey? Or am I just gonna, you know, I think I got this. Well, I'm here several years later because I obeyed my mom. And the reason I obeyed my mom is because I knew without a shadow of a doubt, her instruction to me to obey was not to limit me in any way, but her motive was love, her motive was life, her motive was. Was better. And we know this. So if you ever have somebody, whether it's a boss or someone else in your, in your sphere, when they ask you to do something, you will innately check their motives. Like. And, if, and if, look, that's, let's just be honest here. If you sniff or your spidey senses tell you that their motive for asking you to do something is self serving, you're gonna be more inclined to kind of back off. And then in contrast, if your spidey senses are telling you, you know what, I get the impression that their motive is includes my betterment. It might be a win-win betterment, but it, there's something in there that they're asking me to do something that actually will allow me to be better and demonstrate better. And when you sense that's the motive, we're more likely to lean in. And And so... <sighs> With this in mind, it kind of comes as no surprise that Jesus made obey his third piece of his invitation. Because he first wanted to establish with his followers and his believers his motive. So that they'll be like, Yeah, we, we Jesus, we're in. We don't need any more product demonstrating, we're in. So yeah, you just ask us, we'll do it. Because they knew his motive was for their benefit and they did what they did willingly. <clears throat> All right, now you're sitting down. You need to be sitting down. Any of you with a toupee, you might wanna hold on to that right now. I'm just letting you know. If your spouse is nearby, hug them closely because I'm about to say something that would get me kicked out of a lot of churches. All right. Even God's not sure he wants you to hear this one. Just believing will make no earthly difference in your life. Let me say that again. In fact, let me say it differently. Merely believing will make no earthly difference in your life. In fact, let me say it again. Simply believing will make no earthly difference in your life. Let me say it again. Just believing will make no earth let, let me say it one more time for the road stopping short at believing follow believe will make no earthly difference in your life it's your ticket to ride to heaven so it matters it's super important but the practical transformation happens at the next step when we do what Jesus teaches us and invites us and instructs us to do. Your marriage gets transformed, not just because you believe in Jesus, because you take what he teaches, and because you do believe him, and you believe that he wants what's better for your marriage, you start to put it into practice, and guess what? Over time, your marriage starts to get better. Same goes with your finances, same goes with your health, same goes with your friendships, same goes in your business and your career. That the practical transformation happens as a result of practical application, which we hopefully do willingly because we believe Jesus is who he says he is and he has our best interests at heart. All right. Might be looking for a job next week. But in the meantime, how about you open your Bible or your Bible app to Matthew chapter seven. If you don't have either of those, that's cool. We're gonna throw stuff up on the screen. This is one of Jesus' biographers, uh, recorded a story that Jesus taught. And Jesus taught it right at sort of the tail end of his most, uh, his first, his longest and probably his most famous message or sermon. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, a few weeks ago, we kind of taught through some of this um, in a different series, but here we, here we have, Jesus has just dropped the mic like, I don't know, 12, 15, 20 times. I mean, he had just released some bangers to the crowd that were gathered around him. <laughs> Downloaded some stuff that would have kind of Messed with their heads in some cases. Here's, here's some of the highlight reel. He said to them, "You know how adultery, the whole don't, you know don't sleep with people you're not married to? You know how that's not good? Well, lust is the same as adultery. And they're like, "Huh? It is? Well that sucks. He, he told them that, that if someone hits you on one cheek, uh, don't hit them back, turn the other cheek. Listen,'m to give I'm going to verbalize what some of you are thinking. I'm gonna verbalise what the audience he taught this to were thinking. You're kidding, right? If someone wants a favour from you, do actually more than they ask. More, I struggle to do as much on my best day. Be extravagantly generous with your money. Jesus, I don't think you just heard yourself, you just said, my money. Forgive no matter what, even if it feels like you're letting them off the hook. Huh. All the Italians say, well, there's no fun in that. <laughs> Pursue people who've wronged you and make it your responsibility to make it right. Treat everyone the way you would wanna be treated, whether they deserve it or not. So he's dropped this stuff and there's plenty more. It's just bonkers. It's like, And then he finishes this whole list of some of his greatest hits. And then he drops this story. And the story's designed, just a little spoiler, the story's designed to teach the people who had just heard all of this incredibly powerful teaching, to teach them the consequences of putting into practice (laughs) or not putting into practice what he's just taught. Because you can hear the greatest teaching in the world, but if you just walk out and, and all you can think about is going to Hungry Jackson Midland, you're probably not going to get the benefit of what the teacher had intended. So this is Jesus. These words I speak to you are not incidental additions to your life, homeowner improvements to your standard of living. No, they're foundational words, words to build a life on. And if... And there's a key, that's the key word, because it's your choice. If you work these words into your life, you're like a smart carpenter who built his house on solid rock. Rain poured down, the river flooded, a tornado hit, but nothing moved that house. It was fixed to the rock. But if you just use my words in Bible studies, if they're just interesting, if they're just information, without application, gonna work them into your life. <laughs> you're like a stupid carpenter who built his house on the sandy beach. And when the storm rolled in and the waves came up, it collapsed like a house of cards. Nobody in this moment in history that's listening to Jesus teach this story is surprised at how this one ended. Well, I didn't see that coming. Yeah, they did, because it's obvious. It's of the strength of one's house is, the root root of the strength of one's house is the foundation upon which it's built. And all Jesus is trying to do, because they all knew that. They're not like, they all knew that. All he's trying to do is get people to understand and today that we would understand that the exact same principles for building a house apply to building a life. The foundation is, critical right so let me riff on this for a little bit let's let's look at things we all have in common cuz you know we just heard this story all right okay we, where do we fit in this which group do we want to be in what what kind of matters how does this work for us first of all same same everyone we all build our lives on something so right now you're building your life i'm building my life the person next to you is building their life. The person in front of you, behind you, the people out there in the wild are building their life. So we're, we're building our lives. So this is not a question of building our lives. It's The question is, what are we building our lives? But I but, but, but understand we're all building our lives on something. And some of what we're building our lives on is things our parents taught us. Some of it's things our friends tell us. Some of it's the, the prevailing culture we live in. So this is what matters most. So you better lean into that and give your time and attention and energy and money to that. And by the way, not, it's not all bad. It's not but, but, but at the very, very, very foundation is Jesus. And he said this, come on now. He said, if you build your life on my words, then you're smart. Who gets to say that? Come on. Those of you that are married, tomorrow morning, your spouse wakes up and go, listen, sweetheart, I just, I just, overnight, God appeared to me. And he wanted me, the first thing I say to you this morning is that, honey, if you build your life on my words, you're smart. And you're like, what? You barely speak English some days before you've had coffee. <laughs> if your boss said it. So, so it's, just a, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's not just an arrogant thing to say, it's a bonkers thing to say, but Jesus said it out loud you might have thought it sometimes cuz you know we know everything right <laughs> jesus said it out loud matthew wrote it down we're reading it 2000 years later but again this is why obey comes after belief because if we believe that jesus is the son of god then then why wouldn't we want to do what he's instructed us to do it's like And and as I said, not everything our parents, our friends, our culture teaches us is, is, is wrong. It's not all evil, it's not all bad. There's a lot of good stuff in there, but here's what, when push comes to shove, is if and when some of the other people and the other influences in our life are telling us to turn right and Jesus is telling us to turn left, we're at a hinge moment To whom are we going to listen to and to whom are we going to obey? When you believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and when you believe that He was present at creation, see, if you created something, you know how it works, you know how it was designed to work. So when you then teach people how to use it, you're kind of qualified, you're kind of the expert. The cynics can't say, oh, what do you know? You're like, yeah, really? Okay, cool, thanks. We get that. And and, and here's where it's kind of this obey obey has been misappropriated a bit as well. (laughs) Jesus saying, if you do what I tell you to do, you're smart, and if you don't do what I tell you to do, you're stupid, wasn't a threat. Like, if you don't do what I tell you to do, my dad's gonna get you. He knows where you live. It, it, it was an invitation to better. Well, here's another one, and you don't probably need me to unpack this at any to any extent. But something we also have, also all have in common is we all, at times, face storms. I, I don't need to tell you that. So, so all I'll say is just this: a little qualifier. Storms are not the same as consequences so just a little pro tip next time you're feeling things around you are a little stormy just take a moment to think what you did the day before or said the month before or spent the quarter before and just think oh actually nope, sorry, my bad not a storm, just a consequence I said something stupid but storms are these things that we have no control over they come unexpectedly, and when they hit, we can't do anything about them except hope to live through them and come out the other side. All right, so here's some things we can differ in, and this is Jesus' thing. Say, if you build your house on what I teach, you're the smart carpenter. But if you build your house on a sandy beach, you're the stupid carpenter. So it matters, while we're all building our life, what we build our lives on Second thing we all have in common is what we experience during a storm. And Jesus teaches all throughout his life that that believers, and this is, you know, believing matters, I, I wasn't ever suggesting skipping that step, is, is he will offer us in the midst of a storm something that hasn't, someone who hasn't put their faith in him doesn't have access to. He, he will offer Peace in the middle of a storm. I mean, it just doesn't make it make any sense. He will offer joy in the middle of a storm. He will offer hope in the middle of a storm. Strength and courage in the middle of a storm. Do not be afraid for I am with you. So so we can have some things going on in our lives that are different from people who haven't yet put their faith in Jesus during the storm, and then what we experience after the storm. People who are believers in Jesus and face a storm, we still get hit. There will almost certainly be some signs of damage. You'll lose a few tiles, some cracked glass, but Jesus' promise is that your entire life won't be destroyed because of your choice to build your life on his teaching, which he says is like a rock foundation. And he didn't mince his words. You know this, oh Jesus, look at him cuddle the lamb. He called someone stupid. And he said, if you do what they do, by implication, you're stupid. He says, that's stupid. See, and here's the thing, this is, look, this is, do I even need to say it? I'm gonna say it anyway. This is a house that was built on a sandy beach and a storm came and shock horror, the house didn't do so good. Oh, I wonder how that happened. No, you don't. No one does. We're looking at that going, what an idiot who signed the contract. I want to meet the architect. Get me the number of the engineer, which was the city councillors who signed off on this. <clears throat> those are all things they had control over not the storm but everything else when it comes to building now so if it's so obvious why in the world would anybody build their house on a sandy beach you're all asking i know well here's one reason it's quicker and it's easier See, when you start your building project on the sandy beach and that Nufty up the road, he's a little bit ways up the hill and he's building his on, on a rocky foundation, you're done. Your toes are in the water. You're sipping the mimosa with the background sound, la- waves to the front, drilling work to the back. And you're thinking to yourself, ha, <laughs> ha, sucker. Which is great when there's not a cloud in the sky. It's more convenient. It's more comfortable. It's actually less expensive. <clears throat> but it's also very short-sighted because clouds do appear and storms do come. And, and, and storms don't change the foundation. They merely reveal the foundation. And, 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 and to build a a house on a rocky foundation, it takes more work, more commitment, more sacrifice. And this is where a lot of people tap out. I've been a church leader for, I don't know, it's like 420 years or something. And I have seen, sadly, person after person just tap out when it got to the obey bit. Follow, sure, Jesus, great. Love Jesus. Believe, yeah, I believe He's the Son of God. I mean, look, He predicted His own death and resurrection and He pulled it off. I, I mean, I believe you. Yeah, I believe you. But the whole obey thing, ding, 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 ding uh, stop the bus, I'm getting off. Sounds costly. Sounds inconvenient. Sounds uncomfortable. Yeah, sure. I'll give you the brochure and it includes all those words. <laughs> uh, no thanks. Forgive, that's in there. Nope. No, nope, not interested in forgiveness. I'm more of a justice person myself, which is code for revenge. Tell the truth. Tell the, tr- tell the truth. What if there's consequences? Prioritise contributing in my church. I mean, come on, look. Jesus is in the top 10. I just like to shuffle him around the order a little bit, depending on what else. I mean, I can't live with FOMO. Go home at... 1107 pop open the gram and have to scroll through all my friends brunching in apple cross come on jesus but jesus isn't trying to get us to obey him this is where religion kind of misses the point religion will teach us that by obeying jesus we're more worthy of his love we're more qualified we're less repulsive, <laughs> more chance of getting in. And Jesus said, no, I'm not asking you to obey me to earn my love, I am love you. And so I'm giving you the words of life for your betterment. And so ultimately, <laughs> it's a question of faith. It's like, and I don't know, I'm super pragmatic. So I sort of teach this stuff and I say to myself, am I just wasting everyone's time? Because surely this is just like plainly obvious. The guy that created the world tells us how the world works. We listen to the guy and we do what he says. And yet it just, it's like, I have to say it because we can just so easily miss this stuff. But it's a its a question of faith. If and when something that Jesus taught doesn't look, scratch and smell like something your parents taught you. You have a choice. Who knows which one works best? And decide. That's a question of faith. And the the list goes on. All of the the people and the influences and the voices and the, not all bad. But if they don't line up with what Jesus has to say, we've got a choice. Who Are we going to put our faith in it? And if we believe that Jesus is who he says he is and that he knows what he's talking about and that when he instructs us to do something, it's for our betterment, then the word obey isn't a death sentence. It's a life-giving invitation.
0: We really hope you got a lot out of this message.